Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rouleau. Today, I'm happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Rosalind Barden, and her winning book is titled Sparky of Bunker Hill and the Cold Kid Case. Her book is a humorous mystery novel set in 1930s Los Angeles that's fun for middle grade, young adult, and adult readers. Dozens of Rosalind's short stories have appeared in webzines and print anthologies, including the popular Strangely Funny series from Mystery and Horror, LLC, FAPA President's Book Award Silver Medalist History and Mystery Oh My, and CERN Zoo British Fantasy Society nominee for Best Anthology. TV Monster is the title of her children's book she wrote and she illustrated her work is placed in numerous competitions, including the Writer's Digest Screenplay Competition and Shriekfest Film Festival. She is a member of Sisters in Crime, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, Independent Writers of Southern California, and Writers and Publishers Network. Los Angeles is where she writes, and I'm looking forward to our time together. So welcome to the network, Rosalind. Well, thank you so much, Pat. It's really exciting for me to be here, and I'm, and I'm just so honored that I my book placed in the uh, Firebird Book Awards, because I know there was a, a lot of competition, and it, I'm really honored that uh, Sparky was selected. Oh, thank you. You are so welcome. I'm always thrilled to share that bit of good news with folks, and I always find that it really spurs people on to to continue with their writing with with positivity in the background. So I think a book awards are so helpful, hopefully when you win them. It just it just makes you a better writer and makes you want to be a better writer. Uh, absolutely. I would agree because it, it is difficult to continue um, working in any kind of creative pursuit, whether it's writing, whether it's illustration. Often uh, times uh, time is a limiting factor, and there's other issues that can come up, like health issues, family, work. And um, the way I like to think about it is that your goal, your creative goal, that's yours. And no one else can really take that away from you. So even if you can't do as much as you want or you have to modify your goal along the way, just keep holding on to that because that's yours, and you never know where it will take you. So just keep on plugging away. That's my advice to writers and all creative people. Oh, that's a great bit of inspiration to start. And speaking of inspiration, thank you for the fun bit of author advice you shared on our Boom Bang, Oh My Gosh Wow podcast about the potato chip method that can help writers when they experience a bit of writer's block. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Oh, thank you. Yes, I find for myself, once I get started, just get started at that dreaded blank page, then I find I've broken the ice, as it were, and I can keep on going. So the potato chip method is is a, a, my little trick, and I'm happy that I was able to share that. <laughs> just your description of it, as actually I was thinking about eating potato chips, I'm like, oh, wow, I think I need to go... <laughs> <laughs> raid the pantry here and see if there's any potato chips around. So anyway, thank you for doing that. All righty, lots to talk about today. Tell us a bit about your book. Maybe just give our listeners a peek. And then um, after we do that, I think we're going to have you read a little bit from the first chapter. But first, just give us an overview what the book is all about. Okay, the book 
is all about uh, Sparky. She's an 11-year-old street kid, and she lives in Bunker Hill in 1932 in Los Angeles in the downtown area, and she um, she's a, a real positive kid despite her circumstances, and she ends up in a situation where she's accused of murder. Uh, it starts with one, and then it expands to uh, a huge amount, and there's all kinds of shenanigans, but she ends up getting help in unexpected places from a silent screen star and uh, her mysterious assistant. And it's I had a lot of fun writing it, and it grew out of a short story called The Monkey's Ghost that was published in the anthology History and Mystery Oh My uh, of historical short stories, uh, mystery stories. And I wasn't quite done with the concept. And the location in the Bunker Hill neighborhood of Los Angeles, uh, which has a real interesting history uh, for uh, listeners that aren't in Los Angeles that may not know. It used to be a much larger hill in L.A., and it was full of these beautiful Victorian homes. But in the uh, post-World War II drive for redevelopment, and the feeling like, oh, anything old was boring and unfashionable. It was uh, completely raised and shortened. And it's still there. It's, it's still a wonderful place. It has a music center up there and the Disney concert hall and so on. But um, it's almost like there's a ghost of the Bunker Hill that used to be there. And it's it's a really interesting place. And the concept just stuck with me, and I knew I had to do more. So... I uh, expanded it and added a new character, Sparky, who was not in the original, and continued with that uh, historical uh, fiction in that time period. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. I love that you had written just a short, and then it haunted you, I guess, until you... Yeah. <laughs> Since it's Halloween, <laughs> I could use that word, right? <laughs> Yeah, and if we have time, I can talk about a couple of uh, haunted uh, historic sites in downtown Los Angeles. If we have time for that, that might be fun. All right, excellent. How did you uh, come up with the name Sparky? You know what? I don't really remember huh? right now. I It just came to me, and I stuck with it. Because I started working on it quite a few years ago, and it took me a while to get it to the point where I could submit it to the publisher, that's Mystery and Horror LLC, and they had some um, revisions that they wanted me to do. And this, and this is also where a good editor comes in. The, uh, the ladies that run it, Glenn Mayo and Sarah Glenn, they were like, mm, maybe this book reads a little older then the character, I originally had Sparky as eight years old, which were the ages of the characters in the original story, The Monkey's Ghost. And thinking about it was like, you know what? I think they're right. So I made Sparky older, and there were some other changes that they uh, brought up, and it, it made Sparky uh, a much better story. But it took a while. It took a while. And I'm currently working on the sequel. I'm at the point where I'm proofreading 
the galleys, and that's Sparky of Bunker Hill and the cannibal caper. So she's going to get into a lot of new shenanigans <laughs> in that book. And I, and I have to apologize for the readers. I'm going a little slowly with the proofing. I'm, I'm dealing with a few health issues right now, so I'm not as fast as I, I like to, but, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm pushing through. Oh, my. Your health comes first, my friend. Just take all the time in the world that you need. And, uh, yeah, don't don't rush your health, because if you don't have that, you can't do anything. So just take your time. Yeah, that's so true. So true. I agree with that. Thank you. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, if you would like, uh, you had suggested that you wanted to read a bit from the first chapter of Sparky of Bunker Hill and the Cold Kid Case. So if you'd like okay. to take it away, I'll let you take the mic. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Chapter 1. There's something to this 13th business. That's my birthday. You see, on my birthday, my mother died. That's how I ended up with a cousin, or whatever they were, who didn't want me. Then, round about my 10th birthday, a year ago, way back in 1931, I came home from running around Bunker Hill, like always, to find the cousin's apartment empty. The landlady said they moved, and no, she could care less where they went, and started putting the squeeze on me for past due rent. What could I do but scram? I'd been managing fine ever since, scrounging here and there for eats, slipping through cellar windows to sleep, running with other neighborhood kids who were good for a candy handout. Until today, you guessed it, my birthday again. Just because I was a street kid didn't mean I didn't keep track of days. I did, and I knew my birthday was coming up. I saved a mighty fine candy stash for that purpose. Bright and early, I got my metal box full of candy from its hiding spot in my favorite sleeping cellar. I headed toward Court Hill Park, which was really part of Bunker Hill, to have my own personal candy bender while I watched the sunrise. I can't imagine a sweeter way to celebrate a birthday, can you? It was so early the park was empty of the old folks and other types who usually hung out there. Bliss, peace, with the only stain being City Hall looming up from the Los Angeles flatlands below. City Hall being full of the types who like to round up the likes of me and throw us in homes. And I use that word in a non-funny joke way. Never mind City Hall today. I was about to settle down to my favorite bench with my candy box stash when lo and behold, there's another kid on my bench. A girl, really little. Barely past the baby classification. She was in a thin white nightgown with some nice blue stitching, bare feet, blonde curls. Didn't look like a street kid. Too clean. But who knew? Maybe she lived with cousins who tossed her out. She was slumped over. Sleeping, probably. My biggest fault, though, some may say hot baloney, was being a big softy. She was having a rough morning, so I decided I'd share my candy stash. We'd have a good all-around bender together, and I'd help her sort out what she could do next, where she could go. 
Hey, kid, I called out in my friendly voice. Yeah, I have different voices, and believe me, you don't want to hear my not-friendly one. How about some candy? Looks like you could use a shot or two. I jangled my box, and you could hear the candy inside rattling around nice and pretty-like. Not a peep from Goldilocks. Funny, no kid I knew could resist the sound of jangling candy. Well, she did look asleep, so I nudged her. She tipped over on the bench, and one arm flopped over the side. About now, I was thinking, something's strange here. When I touched her, she was cold, like ice. You could say, okay, makes sense. She'd been sleeping out all night. Maybe. But the way she fell over, I got closer lifted her head and got a pair of open milky eyes that used to be blue staring at me. And yeah, her head was ice cold. I was so shocked. I made the big mistake of yelling, dropping my candy stash and taking off running. I should have just done the running part and left it at that. You see, it was a huge mistake because I'd written... Property of Sparky, touch this and you will die on my candy box. And then inside the lid, you are dead now. And so on. That gave the motive. Okay, thank you. That's that's a a sample right there of how the book began. Oh my gosh, that is so wonderful. You and you you voiced it so well. I almost felt like I was there in, in person. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Sparky gets into trouble right off the bat, and it just keeps keeps going. So she has to find out who done it to save her, her own self. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, as you were reading this, I, I was thinking about your writing um, as a street kid in the 1930s. How did that come to you? Did you have to really think about that, or, or was her voice kind of just pouring out on the paper? You know, that's a really good question because sometimes when I'm developing a character, I'm not so much developing it, the character just comes to me and it's, it's it just comes into my head and then I expand on it from there. So I, I can't really tell you how exactly that character came to me. I was just thinking about the original story and thinking of, I needed to expand it and add more, and then this character of Sparky came to me. That she's um, really having a rough time, although she's still very enthusiastic and she's very bold. But um, she is still having a lot of trouble living out in the street. She doesn't have a family, but uh, she just keeps going. And then ultimately, that she um, encounters the the movie star and her mansion and the mysterious assistant and that added a whole other layer of on this history of the silent films and and there there was a lot of um changing back and forth for example the character of marigold one of her her um little boyfriends he changed a lot he became older and um there was other scenarios that i was going to keep but then cut out so but eventually it, it 
formed into a book. It took a while, but I'm, I'm really happy how it turned out. Oh, absolutely. It just felt really comfortable to listen uh, to your words. So it, it, it hit me that it was comfortable for you to write that, that you didn't have to sit there and labor and like, oh my gosh, what would she say? What words would she use? It just sounded very, very natural. I, again, that's interesting that you say that because I've never had a problem with Sparky and her dialogue and what she would do. My biggest challenge with the book, and I think that would be for any mystery, uh, either short story or novel, is making sure all the little pieces go into place in the correct sequence. You want to drop those little clues. You want to drop those red herrings. But it has to be done so it makes sense. I'm always thinking about the reader. And if I don't want to surprise them with something I didn't foreshadow, for example, so that to me is the most challenging part. Mm -hmm. I get that. And readers are very savvy, even though this book is for younger readers. Um, they're pretty sharp when they read. Although I think I even mentioned it in, in, the, in the bio that it is a middle grade young adult, but I could see this as being a real fun adult read, too. Yes, actually, I find that the majority of my readers, I believe, are adults that enjoy historical mysteries and also cozy mysteries. Mm -hmm. It's a, a fun um, book to read, even though there's, you know, people dropping dead in it and all that, like any mystery, it's, it's still a lot of it is light, and there's just a lot of kind of silly shenanigans, but it's, it's fun, and it's, it's really interesting. Oh. I love this. And then your new one, Sparky of Bunker Hill and the Cannibal Caper. Wow. Was there research on your end as far as cannibals? Um, not so much a cannibal. My research I focus on is the time period and uh, especially the area around Bunker Hill and downtown and the Cannibal Caper will also go to the Chavez Room Veen area, which now houses Dodger Stadium. And that's another area that was completely changed during the post-war redevelopment in that a lot of the people were um, forced from their homes, just like with Bunker Hill. There was a lot of demolition. And there is, there's a lot of parts of it there that can be seen. There still are some of the houses, but it's greatly changed. So that area also uh, was fascinating to me, that concept of having one neighborhood, one area, all these people, and then all of a sudden it's gone. But then back in 1932, they're still there. Everybody's still there. So it's uh, like preserving in time in the book. Everything is, is as it was. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. Well, you enjoy writing short horror stories and short mystery stories. I want you to tell us a bit about those, but why does that genre interest you? I've always been interested uh, in horror because, um, oh, I guess even as a kid, I loved horror movies and I scare real easily and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would I be interested in horror <laughs> uh, books and movies if I'm easily scared? But there it is. And um, yeah, so it was something I was always drawn to, but the vast majority of the horror that I write is funny. It's like horror with a sense of humor. So maybe that's my way of 
keeping myself safe from the scary stuff. So that's why the Strangely Funny series was a good fit for me because it's all about humor, horror, and they poke fun at the your typical uh, horror characters like vampires and Frankenstein and mummies and ghosts and sea monsters. They're all made fun of. And, and my... Uh, the Strangely Funny 9, which is actually the 10th because there was a Strangely Funny 2.5, and it's um, called The Hungry Place. And it basically makes fun of um, the mysterious sea monster kind of ghost uh, remote island horror genre. And... Um, so I had, and also it's about a, a down and out ghost hunter and she's desperate to find some new interesting place to investigate and ends up uh, biting off more than she can chew. And so I had a lot of fun uh, writing that one. I agree with you. Just that bit of humor kind of tempers the horror, making it probably easier for you to write and for people to read. Exactly. Exactly. I have a lot of fun writing those stories. And each um, of the strangely funny books has, I believe, you know, give or take about a dozen stories, and strangely funny uh, nine has nineteen, I believe, and they're all great writers. And there's just, it's not just my story. There's all kinds of other really wonderful stories. So, anyone looking for uh, humorous horror short stories, that's uh, strangely funny is a good place to find them. Oh, thank you for suggesting that. I do enjoy anthologies. It it uh, gives you a little short taste of so many uh, different points of view, and then it's a jumping-off point to decide which authors you really want to delve into. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. I really enjoy reading short stories, because sometimes if you don't have a lot of time, you may only be able to read a little segment at a time, so short stories really uh, fit into that. They're, they're really convenient and a great way to, to distract your mind from your life and, and discover new authors. Mm -hmm. And they're also very memorable as well. I think I tend to remember short stories for years and years more so than you remember all the intricacies of reading a big novel. Yes, that's true. That's, that's um, also, yeah. And um, I mean, to me, I find that the short stories are easier to write because they're shorter, although some writers feel that writing a full-length book is easier because uh. it is challenging to condense a story within a short format. It is. But every writer is different. For me, the shorter ones are easier. Oh, I get that. I, I host a patient safety radio program, and I have to call so much information into 30 minutes and it would be a whole lot easier if I had a few hours. And so, yeah, that's a real trick and a knack to take a lot of information and call it down to a small amount of time or a small amount of words as in a short story. So I understand that completely. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What about your cover, Rosalind? Tell us how that came about. Um, that was um, chosen by the publisher, um, Mystery and Horror LLC, and uh, initially the artists they worked for had uh, seen um, with the Golden Gate Bridge in the background because part of the story involves an uh, old photograph 
that's taken by the ocean. And now the publisher is in Florida, so I don't think they caught that. And But I saw it, and it was like, oh, no. So I contacted them, and I said, um, that's San Francisco. That's further to the north. And we're, this is L.A. And so the artist ended up putting pictures of the houses from Bunker Hill and kind of incorporated them into the background. And I think that that really worked. It has a really unique feel. And I get a lot of feedback from people telling me that it's uh, different, a different kind of cover for um, a mystery, and they, they really enjoy it. I agree. It is a very different cover for a mystery. Absolutely. But that's that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I'm anxious to, um, I'm looking forward to see what kind of cover is going to be coming up for Sparky at Bunker Hill and the Cannibal Caper. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see what the artist comes up with for that. And I do want to quickly mention that I've started just working on the third Sparky which is Sparky of Bunker Hill and the Monkey Island Murder. Mm-hmm. And and that I'm I'm really going to enjoy working on that, but it's going to be kind of tricky to get all the little elements in <laughs> place. But <laughs> and that um a star of that book is the Bradbury building, which is in downtown LA. And because it's Halloween, I want to mention it is a haunted building. And um, there apparently is um, a figure of a man that is seen in the upper floor sometimes. He's seen peeking around the corner, seeing who's there late at night. Kind of scary, but he doesn't apparently do anything. Uh, but he, he may or may not be the original architect. That's the theory. But who knows? He hasn't identified himself. But that's the ghost story for Halloween. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. We have lots to look forward to from you, my friend. I love that. You also have a reader's club. Just give us a little clue. What's that all about? Oh, yes. That's a, a basically an e-newsletter that I send out to anyone who wants to sign up, and I give updates about what is happening. I sent information to the list about this interview happening today. And I give sneak peeks, and also I send bonus short stories that go only go to people who are on the list. So if anyone wants to sign up, they can go to my website, which is rosalindbarden.com, and they can sign up for the Readers Club newsletter, and they'll immediately get um, two of the bonus short stories Ooh. for being a club member. Wow. That is worth signing up for, rosalindbarden.com. Excellent. Okay, well, as we begin to wrap up, I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. Um, I think that about covers it. Uh, I just would encourage all the uh, aspiring writers out there to keep keep on working at it. And if you uh, don't find success in one area, feel free to switch to another. I mean, I've gone from, I I did the children's book that I wrote and illustrated long ago, and then I uh, tried working on screenplays and then ultimately short stories, and so it took me a long roundabout route to get to the the published mystery novel, and it it was just such an exciting feeling to have that 
book in my hand and and so keep keep on at it to all the writers out there oh thank you thank you for that bit of advice so we're going to send everybody over to rosalindbarden.com and the winning book is titled sparky of bunker hill and the cold kid case and you enjoyed a little excerpt from chapter one um, tune into our Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, and you can find more about the potato chip method. And uh, obviously, you are just a highly creative person, and, and I've so enjoyed our conversation today. You're very inspiring and fun, and I look forward to more. Keep writing, and I look forward to doing this again sometime. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. It's been, it has been a fun interview, and, and thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate it.